everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It is episode 69. I haven't talked to you guys since July 27th. That's my fault. I apologize for that. I will try to explain myself here in a few minutes once we get through the business matters. And now that I've mentioned those business matters, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. I know I haven't posted in a while. I just mentioned that, but still, go ahead and give me a good rating. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, well, go back and listen to some of the other shows, some of the other takes that I've had on the sports news of the year, uh, and some of the interviews that we've had, too. Uh, they've been uh, they've been a lot of fun, so go ahead and check those out if you haven't done so already. So, uh, this episode, episode 69, we're going to talk about the Texans' preseason win over the Packers. The uh, result of that game doesn't matter at all. doesn't matter if you win or lose, but... Uh, I will uh, dive into some of the things that I did notice about that game. Uh, also, we will talk about the AP Top 25. Uh, college football poll is out. They still don't know what they're doing over there at the AP, so that's fun. And uh, on, on a serious note, I'm going to dive into uh, a little something regarding the uh, the passing of former U of H track star Cameron Burrell, just the shocking news that happened last week. And... Um, I do want to share my condolences and my thoughts with the uh, Burrell family. Uh, I've talked to Leroy a couple of times, talked to Carl Lewis, who is Cameron's godfather, uh, several times as well. And I, I, look, I interviewed Cameron multiple times when he was coming out of Ridgepoint to go to U of H, and um, it's just it was so it was so tragic to hear his, of his passing. And now that we've learned it was uh, as a result of a suicide, and um, I, I will uh, I will share my thoughts later on in the podcast, but. Uh, first of all, why I haven't talked to you since July 27th? Well, I did mention last time that production has begun on the uh, fourth installment of our program series, our Hard Knocks for High School Football sports show that we started doing back in 2017. So production has started on that. I've tried to put together schedules, um, all sorts of things in re, uh, in relation to that show. I mean, I got to tell you, it, it just takes up a lot of my time. And, you know, this year we're featuring Marshall High School. The Buffaloes are the top 5A team in the area. They probably should have gone to state last year. They lost to Crosby in a game they should have won. Uh, but they are returning a lot of starters. Their offense is going to be electric. Jacoby Banks is expected to be their quarterback. Chris Marshall, one of the talented wide receivers that they have they're going to score a lot of points that defense is always strong if you play Marshall you better get ready it's going to be a physical game so I've gotten to know these uh, guys over the last couple of weeks we've been going out to practices shooting opens doing all sorts of cool things with a fog machine and lights and you can go to my Twitter page we posted a uh, a tease about that last week that got a huge and great response so that kind of gets me excited for the show a little bit because it seems like people are uh Obviously, you've heard about the show that we've done the last three years. In 2020, we didn't do it because of COVID. But when we featured North Shore the last time and we, when we did Pearland and Santa Fe, it's kind of gaining traction. More people are finding out about this. And that video that we posted last week got a huge response. It was great to see uh, everybody excited about that show that's coming up, hopefully at the end of September. So we got a little ways to go. But, man, it just it just takes up a lot of time. Trying to put a lot of pieces together, talking to our arts department, our uh, – our design department to come up with uh, logos for the show, 
for our special projects unit. They helped shoot the open last week, the, the thing that, fe that was featured in that video that I posted. So there's a lot going on with that, and uh, I will update you guys as that production goes along. But frankly, I mean, I, I mean that, that's, that's taking up most of my time. Probably one of the reasons why you haven't seen me on the air as much either. I won't be on the air as much uh, over the next month, month and a half, because there are days where we just go out and shoot practice. I'm not turning stories. And uh, basically, we're putting this show together and kind of building towards that air date at the end of September. But you will see me on TV this weekend because I will be filling in for Matt Musil, who is on vacation. And this weekend, we have uh, another Texans game, and we'll talk about the Texans in a few minutes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to share with you guys is I I've kind of made a significant lifestyle change. I don't know how long this is going to last. Um, I told you guys about the fact that I have, I have a lot of back issues, and I think I need to be on a consistent schedule as far as working out goes. Uh, I was on a consistent schedule last year. Around the same time, like July, August, September, I felt like, you know, the pandemic was like three or four months in, and I needed to do something at home, so I got a bunch of workouts together, put together a little plan, and I, I was on a good schedule, and then we moved into our new house, so we were in a transition phase. I didn't get to working out as much. I wasn't eating as right, and now I'm kind of back, so I don't know what kind of, what was the impetus of all this, like what caused me to change. I think it's because, and, you know, I just talked about shooting this show with Marshall. It's weird that mentally a lot of people, and I find myself included in this group, have conditioned themselves to think differently when they're around groups of people. Like, if you go to a baseball game, you always have in the back of your mind, like, after 18 months of this crap that we've been dealing with with COVID, like... And, you know, I'm all for businesses opening up. I hate lockdowns. I thought that was just an epic disaster of a decision, one of the worst policy decisions we've ever had. I hate lockdowns. I hate the fact that so many businesses had to go through so much. I'm all for opening up. I love it. I think it's great. But after so many months of being conditioned to think one way that, oh, you have to wear a mask, you have to be mindful of who you're around, like, after a while, subconsciously, that kind of gets to you, and I think that's gotten to me a little bit. You know, in shooting this show, and the guys over at Marshall are fantastic, by the way, and uh, they take care of their own business. Everything is great, but you're around more people. I'm around a lot more people these days than I have been really in 18 months, and that's kind of a sad state of affairs, but, you know, we've kind of all gone our, gone our own separate ways. That hasn't meant that I haven't hung out with people. You know, I've been back to the station, but it's been like smaller groups, right? Like if we have people over at the house, that's totally fine. But again, it's like maybe 5, 10, 15 people max, right? But now you're on a whole football team and like subconsciously I've been thinking about, it's like, oh my God, now this Delta variant has kind of sprung up again. It, you know, I've got my vaccine, so I'm not too terribly worried about it. And I don't really fall in the at-risk category either. But I've kind of come to the notion and to the realization that, you know, that now that this is around and I'm going to be out in the public a lot more, man, I got to be fit. Like, I, I got to be healthy. I got to do the right things. I got to do everything. That, I got to get enough sleep. So basically, all of that is a roundabout way of saying that I've adjusted my lifestyle <laughs> a little bit. You know, usually I'm going to bed at like 12, 31 o'clock. And I told somebody that yesterday. And they're like, what? That's how you're living with two kids? 12, 31 o'clock? It's like, yeah, because I need my own, like, 
relaxation time. Like, you know, I've got the kids until like 9 o'clock and put them to bed, the whole thing. My wife comes home late because she works night shifts over at Fox 26. And so I then kind of take that time to finish up watching a, a White Sox game, a baseball game. And, um, and then I, you know, go watch a movie or watch a show or watch a Marvel movie that I've seen. T- it doesn't matter. I just kind of want to unwind a little bit, right? So I usually go to bed at 12, 31 o'clock. So no more. No more. So starting this week, and I did it yesterday, which was Sunday, and now I did it again on Monday. I am getting up at like 7 o'clock in the morning while everybody in the house is still sleeping and working out, getting my workout done from 7 to 8, going to bed at 10.30 the night before, 10.30, 11 o'clock the latest the night before, and then waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning, getting my workout done, and then getting my day started. And I got to tell you, I have a lot more energy, man, and uh, I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I'm starting to feel ache and, aches and pains all over with my workouts kind of getting back into that routine. But uh, I got to tell you, man, I like it. The weather is not terribly hot at 7 o'clock in the morning. It felt fantastic this morning. And I get my workout done, and I feel I have this energy, man, to just, like, tackle the day. And I feel rested. I'm getting up at 7. I'm not, like, tired or you know, because, yeah, if I like to unwind, I have a couple of drinks. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes more than a couple. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to limit that as well and, you know, have drinks here and there. But, like, go to bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock and then wake up feeling refreshed and getting my workout done. Like, it, it's working out so far. I will keep you guys updated on that. Uh, but, yeah, so far so good. Two workouts down. It's only two workouts. It's only two days with a new schedule. But my wife is actually, she was shocked when she saw me working out at 7 o'clock in the morning the other day. She, was, she couldn't believe it. It's like, are you okay? You feeling all right? Are you upset at something? Like, no, I'm just trying something else uh, new, honestly. So, so far, so good. And uh, we will see how long that continues. But uh, I like I like it so far. So, all of that, the show, new schedule, lifestyle changes, I, I just have not had time to record a new show. And uh, now that the Texans have started each week, they're playing a game. Now that college football is right around the corner, I'm going to really try to get one up on Mondays for sure. Every Monday, I'm going to try to hit one. I've got our graphics department working on a whole new uh, graphics package for me for this show. So once I get that in hand, I'm going to incorporate some video to this and really kind of start building this out, thing out for the football season. I've, I've teased it for months and months. I know you folks that have been listening to this podcast are like, well, this guy's full of crap. He's been talking about this for months and nothing happens. Okay, well, now now things are starting to work in my favor. So hopefully that is the case. Now, let's talk about our first topic of the day, our main topic of the day. It's the Texans. And right off the top, they win. They beat the Packers 26-7. I mentioned it at the start of the show. Whether they win or lose doesn't matter. Okay, I, I don't really care about winning or losing in the preseason, but I think this year's Texans team is a little different in the sense that there are so many new pieces. Do I think they're going to be a good team? No, I don't. I, I, I don't think they're going to win many games, but I do find the preseason somewhat intriguing, and I say somewhat because, look, I didn't watch the game live the other night. I was doing other stuff. I had stuff going on. Uh, I didn't watch the game live. I went back and watched some of the you know highlights and I recorded on DVR or whatever. I went back and watched some of the things. Uh, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this preseason with so many new players 
is that I think fans should really be on the lookout for how each unit gels together. And I think the biggest thing that stood out to me about this Texans game was that we're starting to see chemistry within different units, right? Now, the Packers didn't play anybody. They didn't have any of their first-string players. Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Some of their main guys weren't on the field. But I think if we're going to have a Texans football team that we are going to watch during the fall, we'd rather them be somewhat competitive. As I said, I don't think they're going to win many games. But if you go out and you see some type of competitiveness out on the field and some semblance of a team, I think that's encouraging. And I did see that in in moments, right? And I think that's encouraging for a guy like David Culley, who there are zero expectations for. He just took the job because he wants to be a head coach, and I don't really blame him. He knew what he was walking into. And... Um, and I, I think he's got to feel good with what he saw, right? He said afterwards in a postgame, uh, in the locker room speech, he said, anytime you take the field, what's the number one goal is to win. That's fine. The coach has to say that. But winning doesn't matter in the preseason. But I think, in a sense, for this team, it is a validation of some of the hard work that they've put in, given the fact that they've got so many new guys on the team. And, uh, you know, I've been out to training camp a couple of times. And I, I'll get into the whole training camp uh watching practice thing in a moment in one of our first headlines. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But um, I really think that this team is going to be interesting to see in the next couple of preseason games and how they react. We already saw Chris Conley, a new wide receiver, come in. He had a little chemistry with Tyrod Taylor, right? I, I like that. Those little things you want to see the team improving on. Like, okay, we, we know Taylor's going to be the quarterback. Well, he needs to have some kind of connection with one of these wide receivers that he's never thrown to, right? So maybe Conley's the guy. That would be a nice development. Conley had some nice, uh, some nice work last year in Jacksonville. He's been good at camp so far. He seems to be really mixing well with the team. He's been under David Culley before, I think with Kansas City. Uh, so he knows David Culley. So I think that, that in and of itself is an important development. Uh, we saw some nice things from Ross Blacklock. I mean, I know he only had a couple of tackles on the stat sheet, but he was getting double team. Whether that's because of scheme or whether he's improving, I, I'm not quite sure. But it did look like, you know, during training camp, it, it looked like he slimmed down. I think he's excited about the uh, new scheme that he's in with Lovey Smith. I think that's good. Um, and that defense is going to have to be really good this year because the offense is so up in the air. I know they've got depth at, at the offensive line. I know they've got depth at running back. But – you know, you have a quarterback who who has shown flashes during his career, but he, he, he's been in the league for a while now, right? So I think once the NFL games, once the real games start going, they will see adversity that they, they won't see during the preseason. So just to have a little bit of confidence is, is, is something that I think the Texans need to be looking for. And I think they got some out of this game because, as I mentioned, it validates some of the hard work that they've been putting in during camp. Now, let's get to uh, some of the headlines. And first, we start off with Deshaun Watson and how I don't care about him anymore. So, yeah, I don't care about Deshaun Watson anymore. Frankly, um, he doesn't want to be here. He, uh, he goes to camp. He shows up a couple of times. He's missed five practices. Apparently, he's got a foot issue, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. And last week was kind of the culmination of that. Because I think it's finally getting to him. Every day 
and this goes to my points about watching practice out at training camp, maybe it's just me. I know there are other reporters that feel differently about this, but I don't get anything out of watching these guys practice. I don't. I want to see them in games. Like, they played the Packers. Okay. Let's see what it looks like on the field in a game against another team. Okay, I I didn't play the sport at this high of a level. I've watched football practices for years. I don't get anything out of practice. And the one thing that baffles me, and finally Deshaun has really had enough of it because he said it last week, really the first time we heard Deshaun speak (laughs) at training camp, is when he turned to reporters and said, why do you guys film me every day? It's the same bleep every day. Well, he's right. Why do reporters and why do cameramen shoot him walking to practice every day. It is the same video every day. And I tweeted something about this. I said, well, look, Deshaun looked to his left, then looked back down, and uh, the reason for that was unknown. Some people didn't get the joke. It was complete sarcasm, obviously, because it seems like every move that the guy makes is documented. People, he does not want to be here anymore. He is not factoring into the Texans' plans this season. Okay? If he plays this year, I will be shocked, and I will have egg on my face. Totally fine. I totally accept it. Okay? I get it. But he's not going to be here. He's not going to play. And then we had this news come out last week about the grand jury uh, trying to see if there are going to be criminal charges. Look, he's got other things going on. He doesn't even want to be here anymore. I've seen him out at practice. He looks like he doesn't care. Whatever, okay? And I I give him, you know, I I think he's, I think there are a lot of people that share the blame and what's going on there with the Texans and the Sean Watson, but he is, He is partly to blame for this whole thing, too. I get the organization didn't talk to him the way he wanted to and he wasn't involved in the decision, whatever. He signed a $140 million contract last year, and I guarantee you if we did what he's doing right now, if we didn't show up to work or if we said publicly, hey, man, I don't want to be here anymore, whatever, we'd be fired. We would be fired on the spot. Now, he has the luxury of being a top-tier quarterback, so he won't get fired or he won't get you know, fine, and that's why he's at practice, right? He, he doesn't want to get fined 50 grand a day. But I just got to, I mean, anytime somebody mentions Deshaun now, I roll my eyes because I'm like, I don't care. The only news I want to hear is when he's traded, when the trade goes down, and what the Texans got for him. That's it. We're done. We're moving forward. The Texans aren't going to be good this year. That's fine. It's an acceptance that we've all made, but it's time to move out of the shadows of Deshaun Watson because that guy is just in it right now for his own personal gain, which is fine. I'm not criticizing him for it. That's totally okay. He wants the best situation for him, and clearly the Texans are not it. The documentation of every move that he makes, whether he's on the field, whether he's taking reps with certain people, does not matter. That does not matter anymore. 100% doesn't matter, and frankly, I could care less. So that's why I made that joke. It got a funny response. A lot of people got the joke. Some people didn't. Whatever. It's fine. But uh, I think people are getting tired of the same thing on a daily basis. Like, literally, I could put together, and I'm not there every day, but I could put together all the shots that we have of Deshaun walking out of practice, and they're all going to be the same. They're all going to be the same. Maybe he's talking to one guy one day. The other day he's got a different shirt on, but they're all the same. He's just walking, goes and does his little personal individual drills, and then just stands on the sidelines. That's it. That's all it is when he's there. So... I don't know what it's going to be like now as we start up again, 
But uh, I just, look, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's a distraction. I don't even know why the team has them out there because that's what the media wants to talk about. That's what the press wants to talk about because it's a juicy story. I, For me, it's not a juicy story anymore. The guy doesn't want to be here. Let's not talk about him. As sports people, let's talk about the guys that do want to be here, okay? The guys that are trying to make this team, that are trying to, you know, leave an impact on the league, that want to do some things for this team. Like I mentioned, I, I know they're going to struggle this year. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you never know what could happen, man. Like, they can go out there and form some kind of good bond and win some games that we didn't expect. I get that. That's fine. Um, but I just think right now when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I think we are done with him, and we just need to move on. Our next headline, the AP has released its top 25 for the upcoming college football season, which starts in a couple of weeks. Oh, thank goodness college football's right around the corner. Ugh. Everybody always asks me, are you more of an NFL guy or a college football guy? And I 100% and more a college football guy. There's nothing like football on Saturdays. The NFL is fine. It's entertaining for sure. But, man, the pageantry, the passion, the uh, just the ability to identify with one of the teams on a more than just fandom basis I think for me, it's just it's just awesome. There's so much passion in it. Sometimes it gets a little overboard, to be honest. But uh, yes, the college football season is right around the corner. My Northwestern Wildcats open up with Michigan State. The first game of the year on the 27th. So we are, oh my gosh. Oh my, does that start, that's next Friday. That is next Friday. I'm looking at the calendar. I can't believe, the, I think it's next Friday. And I believe it's the 27th. Let me double check that. Let me see here. Northwestern. Northwestern schedule. Uh, no, no, I was wrong. Oh, I got to wait another week. It's September 3rd. September 3rd, Michigan State at Northwestern. Uh, I'm excited for it. But let's look a look at the top 25, the AP top 25, shall we? Okay, here we go. So, uh, the, these people don't know what they're doing, uh, voting wise, because I, I guess personally, they, they gave Northwestern eight votes. This is a team that finished in the top 10 last year, Northwestern top 10. Yeah. They lose a couple of players. A couple of guys got drafted to the NFL, but, uh, how do you not put Northwestern in the top 25 after finishing in the top 10? It's not that we lost our whole team and we've got teams like Iowa who has no business being in the uh, top 25. Indiana's okay. Uh, Wisconsin, who looked dreadful last year, uh, they're number 12. But let's go to the top 10. Let's uh, let's take a look at the top 10. Alabama, number one, obviously. Number two is Oklahoma. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Ohio State. Number five, Georgia. The Aggies come in at number six. They finished fourth last year in the AP Top 25 poll. Iowa State, number seven. Boy, that's got to be the highest ranking the Cyclones have ever had in entering a season. Cincinnati, number eight. Notre Dame, number nine. And North Carolina, number 10. I guess Mac Brown can coach. How about that? The folks in Austin should uh, should pay attention. Um, all right, so that's the top 10. And some of the other names on here that kind of stand out. Texas, we just mentioned them. They're number 21. Steve Sarkeesian leading the way there. A lot of Big Ten teams in the top 25. Penn State was dreadful last year. I don't think they belong there. Iowa doesn't belong in the top 25. Uh, Indiana is up there, too. Uh, so Coastal Carolina cracking the top 25 at 22. Louisiana, 
Louisiana Lafayette, 23. They open at Texas. That should be a fun game. And Utah's 24. Arizona State is 25. They got all sorts of problems over there in the desert with all the NCAA rules and fractions upon them. So that's a whole other issue for them. But others receiving votes, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, TCU, Liberty at 36 votes. Good Lord. Auburn, 32. North Carolina State, 14. Michigan getting 12. And there are my Wildcats next uh, with eight votes. The Houston Cougars get five votes, point values, I guess, points, um, for the uh, top 25. So, uh, yeah, five five votes total for the Houston Cougars. Who else is on there? Uh, no one of local significance. So we will see what the college football season has to offer. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, summing up this headline, the AP has no idea what they're doing. They didn't know last year, and they still don't know what they're doing over there. Headline number four, and I alluded to this at the beginning of the uh, podcast, but I I did want to touch on uh, Cameron Burrell, the uh, world-class, just fine young man who passed away, former track star over at U of H. Um, He passed away last week, learned of his death just in a – just – really really surprising way and I think it shocked everybody he uh it, it has come out that he uh he died of an apparent suicide and uh and, and I know that that is, that is a taboo subject to talk about sometimes and I know in the news business it really is um it, it you know a lot of people dance around that subject but I, you know I don't I don't think that we should honestly I don't I don't think that that's something that we need to take not lightly but dance around the issue because I mean it's just so shocking to hear that a young man like this who had a daughter, um, I know his obituary came out in the Houston Chronicle over the weekend. It was just tough to read, man. He had so many accomplishments. He did so much at U of H. He, he had a nice career going for himself, and um, it was just shocking. I couldn't believe it. My heart goes out to Leroy Burrell, uh, the coach at U of H, uh, his wife, uh, the whole family, the whole Burrell family, they are just fantastic people. I know they are devastated. There was a huge gathering at the memorial service over the weekend. I know they're devastated, so uh, my my prayers go out with them and his young one-year-old daughter. I mean, I can't. Uh, the stories that she will hear later on in life about her father, and that's what makes it even more shocking, you know, now that I have kids of my own. Uh, to take to make a decision like that is, is um, you know... You know there have to have been some some really really deep deep rooted things that were going on with Cameron, and I just I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He's gone 26 years old. I talked to the kid coming out of high school eight years ago, and uh, I just can't believe it. I, um, it is it is a shocking thing to hear, and you know we 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 hear these stories and we hear about mental health issues. We just you know dealt with Simone Biles and what she was going through at the Olympics. Uh, we hear all these stories about all these athletes, these young athletes going through some of these uh, some of these mental challenges. And uh, Naomi Osaka is another one uh, in the tennis world who who is having some anxiety issues too. And look, I just think this is a broader topic. And maybe one of these uh, one of these episodes, I'm going to really dive into this with a sports psychologist. But I think more so than other generations in the past, I think. These athletes are under immense pressure to perform and to succeed in their chosen sports. 
And I think social media has a lot to do with that. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't have social media. And I, I heard somebody talking about this before. It's like, you know, when we were going to high school and we were in college, you know, we were in high school for what, eight hours a day, seven and a half, eight hours a day. And then when we left, when we left that environment, we detached from it for another 12 hours, right? We didn't come back to it. All the issues and all the pressures that, that go along with being a high school student, with being a with being an athlete, just kind of went away when you went back home, right? There was no social media. There was no attachment to devices. There was nothing that kind of kept you engaged in the, the, to the world around you. And some of these high-class, high-quality, you know, premium athletes, they are in this social media world from the very beginning, from when they're like 12, 13, 14 years old college scholarship offers are being thrown at them. And when that when that happens, we've got a bunch of people, fans of these colleges saying, hey, man, you need to come play here. You need to come play here. You need to perform here. And when they don't pick the school, then they get a bunch of hate and vitriol. I mean, it's just, and I, 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 I hate social media because it really is a toxic atmosphere that has been created online. And yeah, it offers some good things, but man, I think a lot of these athletes just, they're attached to their phones, and, I, and I'm not alluding to that in this particular case with Cameron Burrell. I'm just maybe talking about it in a larger scope and a larger issue. Um, there's just a lot of pressure put on them, and in reality, they they just need to maybe take a step back. And, and I hate saying that because you know people that I know have anxiety issues. They deal with anxiety issues, and it's easier said than done. I fortunately have never had to deal with those anxiety issues, but... Uh, it, it is a broader conversation to have about what impact social media in particular is having on a lot of these athletes and um, just the added pressures that they feel when in reality those pressures aren't really there. They've been created in their own minds, if you will, with some of these athletes, some of these high school kids that I talk about. They're always about social media. Hey, let me post something for the gram. Let me do this. I mean, get my name out and this and that. Man, just live your life. Enjoy the moments that you're living right now. I you know, for one, had some great moments in high school. For the most part, high school stinks. I think <laughs> I think we can kind of all agree with that. There's so many things that go along with it. But, you know, you just got to enjoy these moments. And I think social media and the community that is being created online day in and day out, things that are being hammered away with these kids, these athletes, it's just, it's just too much. It's a lot. I even catch myself sometimes. I'm 37 and I'm looking at my phone and, and I catch myself like, what the hell am I doing looking at this phone? Look, I got my kids right here. What am I doing? And that, that is a thing that I have to work with too sometimes. I check it when I wake up. I'm like, what? there's nothing that important on the phone, right? Um, but I, I think that's a broader conversation. And I, I and when I heard about Cameron's passing, I just I was I was shocked. And I know uh, a lot of people in Houston were shocked as well. So uh, again, my condolences go out to the uh, Burrell family. May he rest in peace. And um, as that was that was a tough one to hear for sure. And final headline, uh, let's get back to uh, something a little bit more positive, shall we? Uh, the Field of Dreams game last week, being a White Sox fan, that was fantastic. It was not good for about 10 minutes there towards the end when Liam Hendricks gave up those two home runs in the ninth inning. I was very upset at that moment, but Tim Anderson comes through and hits the walk-off home run. It is the 15th, and this stat blows me away, and that's when you know that there are a higher power and things are just kind of meant to be, <laughs> I think. Tim Anderson's home run was the 15th walk-off home run in White Sox history against the Yankees. The first one 
was by Shoeless Joe Jackson in 1919, and he was the one that was featured in Field of Dreams, which this whole event was based off of. I mean, that's a perfect script. Hollywood couldn't even write it, although Hollywood scripts lately have kind of been crappy, but they couldn't even come up with this script. It was the perfect ending to just a fantastic night for Major League Baseball. They could not have scripted it any better, really, because it was the most watched regular season game in 16 years. Just watching that on TV, I mean, I was there with my my son. We were watching it a little bit, and, you know, he's he's four, right? He doesn't really understand the just the beauty of what that moment was like. But even he was kind of, you know, captured by the fact, you know, these guys are walking out of a cornfield. It was just a, a picturesque setting. And I can't wait to watch that movie when he's older. Hopefully he gets into baseball. He loves playing baseball. I'm going to introduce him to that next year for sure. We love hitting the ball here at home. So he loves doing that. But it was just so cool to see. And, uh, and you know, Kevin Costner was back telling stories about the movie and what baseball means. And it was just an absolute home run for Major League Baseball. They're, they're going to do it again next year. I hope the White Sox are a part of it. I think they should be a part of it every year, given the fact that they were featured in the movie with Shoeless Joe. Uh, but I think I think it is an awesome experience. I wish I would have gone to the game. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. And you know what I think about Iowa. I don't really like the state. I've been to the state a couple of times. Not a whole lot to see there, but they do have a field of dreams, and I thought they did a fantastic job with that. And really, other sports leagues need to capitalize on it. We see hockey with the outdoor game. That's really popular, too. I think the NBA should go to Rucker Park in uh, New York. I think that would be fantastic, that setting right there. We, we saw what Kobe did. He showed up, and he, 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 before he showed out. That's still legendary stuff when Kobe showed up at Rucker Park and did what he did. I think if they have an NBA game there, it could get sponsored. I think that would be sweet. Uh, it would be televised. I'd watch that NBA game. I don't watch NBA basketball anymore. I think it's dumb. Um, but I would watch that NBA game for sure. And, uh, yeah, it is uh, – it was, it was an awesome thing. I don't know how the NFL could do it. We kind of talked about this on Sports Extra. I don't know how the NFL could do this. Maybe go to a college stadium. Maybe go to a, like a, a high school stadium and play an NFL game there. I think that'd be uh, pretty uh, pretty sweet too. So I think these leagues need to capitalize it. The NBA for sure because they're losing viewers at a rapid pace. A lot of people don't care about their product. And like for one, they've lost me as an audience member. Uh, I know I have to pay attention to it sometimes because it's my job, but I, I don't really watch NBA basketball anymore. I think it's pretty, it's pretty bad overall as an overall product. So um, yeah, I thought the Field of Dream game was a home run. That was the final headline. And so we'll end it on that note. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. Later on this week, I have a great interview with uh, Katie's own gold medalist winning wrestler, uh, Tamira Mensah-Stock. She uh, she talks to me about what she uh, she went through at the Olympics. I, I, if that name doesn't ring a bell, I'm sure the interview did. She was the one that was draped in the American flag that was saying she loves this country so much. It was such a great moment. Just awesome to hear somebody so, you know, patriotic, man. We don't really hear that from athletes at that stage anymore. It's more, it's more uh, beneficial to athletes and it's more... Uh, beneficial in the monetary sense to hate this country as opposed to uh, to love it as Tamara did. And uh, I caught up with her and I thought it was very refreshing. Her personality is tremendous. And uh, that interview is coming up later in the week and I'll have more on the uh, KHOU 11 newscast with her later on in the week too. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 69 in the books. Episode 70 is next. I will see you then.